Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. I am so excited. If you have a copy of God's Word, if you would find it, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament if you're new to the Bible or the second half of your, your Bible. You're gonna find Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you're following us on your device, there's actually a, an app called the, uh, the YouVersion Bible app and you can follow along with a digital guide. If you see somebody with their phone out and it looks like they know what's going on, just ask them for some help and they can help you navigate that. I don't know what you did over your break, but I had some time to make some new memories. And so I got together with some young adults a couple of weeks ago, and we played this game called Broomball. You ever played Broomball before? Yeah, Broomball. It's like, it's like ice hockey, uh, but you don't have to skate, all right? So you get out on the ice just, on, just in your shoes, and you have like a, a broom, you know, it's like a little, little paddle thing, and you're trying to hit the ball in the net. And, and so we're out there playing Broomball. And, and I don't, if we've never met, I'm a little bit, um, and when I, when I say a little bit, a lot, competitive. And so like, I, it doesn't matter what it is. I, if it's cards, I'm in to win. If it's broom ball, I'm in to win. I'm throwing my body around. And um, uh, the problem is I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit older. You know, I'm trying to hang out with the young adults, but I'm getting a little bit older. But, uh, but my mind, it's my mind still young. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I'm out there, I'm out there aggressive. I'm, I'm, I'm yelling. I don't know why. You know, I'm just out there like just fired up and throwing my body around. And, and there was this moment. There was a moment on the ice. And I wish that like there was somebody around that I could have blamed, um, but it was like really it was unprovoked. And uh, like and if you've ever played broomball, you've ever been on the ice. Like there are these moments where this just happens. If if you stay on the ice long enough, you're gonna fall. All right. And so it was like towards the end of our time playing the game, no one's around me, and I don't know what happened. But next thing I know, my legs are up in the air, and I land on my side, and it was one of those like ooh, and then it was one of those like the people that were watching go. Oh, and my kids were sitting there and they're like, daddy, daddy, you okay? Now, the way I grew up is you don't let anybody see you're hurt. And that's the way I grew up. All right, so when we were playing sports growing up, like this stuff that's happening now, like fall on the field and they'll come out. Like we didn't do that growing up, all right? And so when I got hit, I got my bell rung a few times playing ball. It was like, get back up. Even if you run it sideways, you, you know, you run it. You don't let them know, right? You don't let them know. And so, like, that's just still in my mind. I don't know why. It's just how, that's just, y'all pray for me and my wife. And so, anyway, I hit the ground, and, like, I knew something, something happened. But I popped back up. I'm like, yeah, all right, we're playing next, we're playing next. And everyone's like, you okay? I'm like, check on the ice. (laughs) Okay, check on the ice. That's who you need to be worried about. You you can't hurt this, you know. And uh, fortunately, it was the end of our game playing, and and I was able to go home. But I, I fell, and then the first thing, my knee jerk reaction was to fake like I didn't really get hurt. I fell down, everyone saw the fall, and, and there were people that were concerned about my well-being. They checked in on me, and I'm like, oh, y'all worry about yourself. I ain't, everything's fine, but really not everything was fine. And I fell, and then I chose just to fake it for another round. And the reason why I start there tonight is because we all have an area in our life where we busted it. There's been something, maybe, maybe you didn't bust it recently, maybe you have, I don't know, but there's been something in your life, we've all had an area where we've, where we've fallen on the ice, metaphorically. And many of us, in the fall that we made in life, there was some sort of injury that took place, but we just got back up, we're like, oh, it's no big deal, you know, it's no big deal. 
all the while we know that there was something inside of us that was hurting or there was someone in the situation that got hurt. But we just resolved just to kind of fake it through life and we just resolved just to kind of keep on going and get ready for the next thing, but we know deep down inside something was injured. And, and tonight, like I know this is the reality because y'all coming here, y'all, y'all looking good. There's an energy here tonight, you know? Like I felt it in the hallways, like, oh, we back, you know? We back, you know, dapping up. Some of y'all got secret shakes and stuff and like y'all look good, you know? Some of y'all like want to see who's here and, and you, know, you're, you know, some of y'all are single and you're excited about being single. Some of y'all, you're excited about maybe meeting some new people. I don't know, like, y'all, it's just exciting here tonight. Y'all look good. But the reality is, that even though everything on the exterior may seem like it's all good, what's going on underneath the surface? Like, let's be real tonight. That more than likely there's something beneath the surface that's hurting in your life, or there's been a time where you've experienced that. Like some of you, you've come in here tonight and there's something, if you're being honest, if you're being real, there's something that's not right. Some of you, you've slipped on the ice of life. You cracked your character because you compromised sexually or you compromised over the weekend. You've done something that you know you're not proud of, but you're trying to act like it's not that big of a deal. Or others of you, maybe you haven't had a fall in a while, so you're just running around on the ice of life thinking that you're all good and you're kind of invincible or immortal, chasing money or chasing influence, trying to find purpose, and it's just a matter of time before you slip and you fall. Let's be real tonight. That's kind of hard, isn't it? <laughs> like, like we're, it's at church. This is like typically the place that you put the church face on. This is typically the place that like, you know, no matter, uh, I don't know where you're at on the spectrum, but, but you, either, you either say things like, oh, it's like, I'm fine. How you doing? I'm fine, you know? Like you say stuff like that. Or if you're really spiritual, somebody says, how you doing? Like, I'm blessed, you know? And like, but, and we'll say these things and we want to be real. We want to be transparent, but it's hard at times. So tonight we're kicking off this new series called Be Real. And we're stealing the idea from a new social media app. Many of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. In the app, it prompts you to post a picture of yourself and your surrounding and then send it out to your community. And it's an app that's trying to promote authenticity. And so in the series, what we're gonna be talking about is how to be real in a culture that tends to fake everything. Like, and, and that's kind of the tension that we manage in this situation tonight, like in the scenario or in the room tonight. We manage this tension of we want authenticity, we want transparency. We don't like people that are fake. We don't like the fake parts of ourselves. But in the other hand, we like control. We like putting filters on our life. We like presenting ourselves. So many of us, you'll have a Be Real app downloaded on your phone, but you're still loyal to Instagram because you got that Insta version of your life where you want to be in control and you want to you put forward a, a persona or an image of yourself that isn't actually real. But let's be real tonight. If you're taking notes tonight, I've titled this message, Let's Be Real. Let's be real. And I want you to do three things tonight. One thing is I want you to stop faking. The other thing is I want you to start being real. And my hope tonight is before you leave that every one of you would know about the mercy of God. 
Now, when it comes to Jesus and it comes to his life and, and it comes to the way that he ushered in the kingdom of God, man, Jesus loved people who were real. <laughs> Jesus loved them raw, unfiltered, unedited. He liked to meet people right where they were. He liked to say, hey, you come to me. If you're weary and you're heavy burden, you, you come on, man, you're my people. Jesus, he loved people that were real people and he's constantly inviting people. When you read about his life, he's constantly inviting people to stop faking it and to engage in what is reality and to help them see their desperate need to be in right relationship with God, their maker. And so Jesus, he's constantly inviting people into this reality and he's just saying, quit faking it. So he'll do this gently with some people, but then when you read the pages of, of scripture, you also see Jesus, he gets a little bit aggressive with some people as well. It's like the people that, that are ready to stop faking, he's real gentle and real calm, but the people that, that fail to admit that they're faking it, like he will come at them. The people that think that they're better than other people because of some sort of thing in their life that they're so committed to, he calls them like, you're like a brood of vipers. You're like a, a group of snakes. You're, you know, he calls them, you hypocrites. Like Jesus, he calls them out. And tonight in Luke chapter 18, Jesus, he's helping us understand the heart of God when it comes to people being real with God. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse nine. It says, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and they scorned everyone else. Now, now Luke is the guy that's writing this series of events. And Luke, he's a doctor and so he's telling us the reason why Jesus is about to tell this story that he's about to tell. And so Luke writes down, he's like, here's the moral of the whole story. Before the story even comes, let me just tell you the reason why this story was, was recorded. Because Jesus had some people around him who had great confidence in their own righteousness. So they thought highly of themselves, and they also scorned everyone else. And so Jesus is about to tell a story for that person. That Jesus, he's telling a story, and he's telling us the point before he actually gets to the story. And so tonight, like this teaching, this message, this is for the person that's here tonight that really thinks of themselves as a pretty good person. Tonight's message is for the person that maybe you came in here and you're looking to, to get like a spiritual supplement in your life. Like, you know, maybe you're gimping along in life and you kind of see Christianity as a crutch to help you get better and back on your own two feet and then you can lose the crutch whenever you get stable. Uh, this is a message that kind of sees, like, when, like for the people that kind of see God as like, I need God to help me just in this little area of my life. It's a, like you see God as like a New Year's resolution. You're not that bad of a person. You think of yourself as pretty good and you just need a little bit of God. This is a message for you tonight. This is also a message for the people that have a tendency to look down on other people because of their race, because of their culture, because of their ethno, uh, because of their social economic status. And I don't, I don't think that we would come in here and, and I don't think I'm speaking to a room that's full of racists, but I do think there's, there's, there are these parts of our heart where we kind of covertly look down upon people that are differently than us, that are different than us, excuse me. Like I think there's a part of us, all of us, that needs to listen to this message tonight because God is trying to expose some things and help us deal with some things so we would quit faking and be real. And so Jesus, he goes on to tell the story, and here's what he says in verse 10. He says, two men went to the temple to pray. Now the temple, that's like the church of all churches, all right? This is like, like for, for the people that are living in this area, this is like the center of their entire, like, the, like New York City, this is Times Square, there's a church right there, and everyone's trying to go there. Like they believed about the temple that 
that God lived there, like that God's living room was in the middle of the temple. And so they're going to this place where it's like God lives there. And these two people, they're going to this place to do what you do in churches. They're going to talk to God to pray. And he tells us that one was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Now, we don't really know what these two types of people represent in our culture because we don't really have them in our culture and as pervasive as they did back in the day. And, and even in our day and age, like when you hear the word Pharisee, if you grew up in church, you're kind of like, boo, Pharisee, they're bad, you know, that kind of thing. But in this day, like when they said that there was a Pharisee that went to church, everyone in the audience would be like, oh yeah, yeah, Pharisee. <laughs> those guys are amazing. You know, the Pharisee, like those guys, like they know the Bible. Uh, they, they got money. Those guys, they're just good people. Like the other day I was hanging out with a Pharisee and like, this is what he said. It was so funny, it was so funny. And then, and then like, we went to this other thing and he like said something that was so true. It was so true. And then I saw this Pharisee, I'd be following this Pharisee on TikTok and I'd be sharing all of his stuff because it's good. Like you need, you need to know a Pharisee. That's how they were back in the day, right? They loved Pharisees. These were good guys. So that's the Pharisee, the tax collector. This, this is not who you want your girls dating, all right? This is like, you don't want your daughter marrying a tax collector, all right? Like, they got some money, but they're crooked, all right? They're crooked, all right? Like, they're scoundrels, they're traitors, uh, they're hypocritical in their lifestyle. What they did is they worked for the enemy that was oppressing the people that they were of. And they would collect money to help fund the Roman government, and then they would take some of the money for themselves, and they had the Roman authority on them. And so there was this weird kind of scheme that was so crooked. And what it tells us about these two people is it wasn't like a tax collector that was a good tax collector, if there is such a thing. Like this was a despised tax collector. Like this was, this was the most crooked of all crooked crooks, all right? And so Jesus is saying, do you get the picture? Like he's trying to polarize the room. And he says, there was a really good guy, really good guy. He went to church to pray. Everybody's like, oh. And then there was a really bad guy, really bad guy. And he went to church to pray. And they're like, huh. You know, it's like, this is the deal. And then he begins to tell us about these two people. What Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to invite us into the story. See, in Jesus's economy, in his, in his mind, what, what he sees in the world is that, that there are really two types of people. There are people that are good people and there are people that are bad people. There are people that are conformist and there are people that are nonconformists. There are people that are spiritual and then there are people that are not spiritual. There are church people and then there are like, I'm not really church people. There are those that feel like they belong here. Some of y'all like church. Church is like a second home for some of y'all. Some of y'all, y'all got here and y'all like hot tub is what it feels like, you know, like, oh man, I, I just feel so comfortable. Others of you are here tonight and you're like, I don't even know why I'm in here. Like, I feel like God's about to shank me with some lightning out of nowhere, you know, like you just like, you're here and you, you've done some things recently that you know God don't like and you're like, I don't know why am I here? You're nervous, your hands are sweating, you're anxious. And Jesus is saying that these are two categories that are in this story and these are two categories that by and large, most people find themselves in. And so he's trying to say, let's be real and let's understand where we fall in the story. So he goes on, he tells us about the Pharisee or the good guy. Here's what he says in verse 11. He says, the Pharisee, he stood by himself and he prayed. And this is what he prayed. This was his prayer. He said this, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. He says like cheaters and, and sinners, adulterers. And he says, I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. And he says, I fast you know, twice a week. That means he abstains from food for spiritual purposes. 
And he says, and I, and I give you a tenth of my income. If you're taking notes in your Bible, you can just write out there, brother is confident, all right? He is confident, all right? If you're taking notes tonight, you can write down point number one. Don't be fake. Don't be fake. Jesus, he is telling this story in order to call this guy out. What, what Jesus is saying is like, this guy, listen to his prayer, y'all. Like, he's so fake, and he doesn't even know it. Like, he's, just, he's going to church, doing his things. Like, I'm a good guy. I know the good book. I do good things. I'm a good Pharisee. I'm going to church. It's a good thing. And then he's mic'd up on the sideline, and we get the inside scoop, and he says, I thank you, God, which is a good way to start a prayer. But then it just turns a corner. You know, it goes, it goes this egocentric prayer where he says, God, I thank you so much that I'm not like other people, you know? <laughs> I, I am amazing is what he's saying. And then he begins to recite some of the things that he thinks are amazing. God, I thank you that I, that I, that I fast twice a week. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thank you, God, that I, I give a tenth of all my <laughs> I can just see him being so proud of himself. You, know? you can hear it in the story, right? And he's faking it and he's unaware that he's being hypocritical. He's unaware that he's overly confident in his own ability to try to earn right standing before God. So the question I'm asking when I'm reading this story is like, I, I don't wanna be fake, <laughs> you know? Like I, I think that like none of y'all, if you're on a dating app, you didn't put on your dating app, like my name is such and such, I like riding horses and I'm fake. <laughs> you know, like you didn't put that on there, right? Like that's not the selling point for you, right? Like none of us wanna be fake, so how do you know if you're being fake? Well, Jesus is trying to help expose some things inside of every one of our hearts. So here, here's two ways that you know you're fake. Like, like you know you're fake, when uh, you thank God that you're not like other people. Like some of y'all, you, you changed the road that you set on in this room tonight because you didn't wanna be associated with that person. Some of you when, you, when you see somebody that's a certain age, or you see somebody that's a certain race, or you see somebody that's a certain gender, or they're from a certain social, or certain neighborhood, when you see them, you, you think intrinsically, man, at least I'm not like that person. At least I don't have to live as, with that person as my roommate. At least I didn't marry, and you just kind of elevate yourself. And oftentimes we'll surround ourselves or we'll have a, a loose relationship with somebody that we can look down upon just so that we can make fun of somebody so that we can feel better about ourselves. And deep down inside, I know that we're not praying, God, thank you that, that I'm not like all these types of people. We don't say that. But in our hearts, oftentimes, we elevate ourselves ab above others. So question, do you see yourself as better than other people? Uh, let me ask it this way. If you're a Christian, and what I mean by that is that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation, and there was a point in your life where you're like, you know what, I need God. And so you turn from your sin and you ask Jesus to save you from your sin. You believe he died on the cross, rose from the grave, and you started following him. That, that's what it means to be a Christian. If you're a Christian, who's the most miraculous convert that you've ever heard of? Like think about all the people, like your, your family, people you've read you know, in history, you know, who's the most, like the person that you know that's a Christian and you're like, I, no, I didn't see that one coming. That's amazing. Like, if God, like God, you must have had to work to save that one, you know? Like God is sweating in heaven trying to get that one. And you know, like he's trying to, like, like that person. Who's the person that you think of? It's like, man, that's a miracle right there. That is, wow. And if you're thinking of someone, anyone other than yourself, 
You have low-key elevated yourself above other people as if you think of yourself as savable. Listen, the most miraculous thing I have ever witnessed in my life is that God took a wretch like me and he saved me from my sin and he saved me for his purpose. And I'm just trying to not get over that. And so like if God could save me, he could save anybody. If he could take these, this, these, these dead, this dead heart and these dead ways in my life and he can redeem them, forgive them and then give me purpose and give me a future, he could do that for anybody. And the moment I start thinking that my salvation was somehow manageable for God, but yours is gonna be difficult for God, I have elevated myself above you and I'm a fake. So how do you know you're a fake? Is that you, you elevate yourself above other people. Another way that you know that you're a fake is, uh, is that you, you thank God for how obedient you are. Notice in the prayer, he says this. He says, I thank you, God, that I fast twice a week and that I give a tenth of, uh, of my income to you. Like, he's just so confident, God. I mean, he's like, I, God, thank you. Like, you imagine praying. Like, God, thank you so much for your word that I've learned so much of. God, thank you so much for the songs that I sing really well. God, thank you so much for this church that I've helped give money to because I've probably given more money than that guy anyway. God, thank you, and you just start thanking God, but you're low-key elevating yourself. And listen, Jesus is saying when you have this mentality, you're being fake. When you try to remind God of the things you've done for God as if God forgot the things that you have done, and you're reminding God of those things as a means of trying to get his acceptance, his, his bonus, his benefit. I'm not real sure why we would do that, but we all have a tendency to do that. Like, like we'll, we'll be serving somebody, and in our mind, we'll be thinking, I hope God sees this, and if he forgets, we'll post it on Instagram, you know? We'll, we'll read our Bible, and we'll think, God, do you see me doing this thing? Aren't I a good guy? Aren't I doing the deal? Now, I don't think we'll go to church and thank God like this guy has. This is a story that's trying to communicate a deeper reality that we all find ourselves in. And what Jesus is trying to say is that this guy, even though he's good on the exterior, even though he's, he looks the part, brother, is fake. He's fake. Let me explain it this way. Any cat lovers in the house? That's okay. Be proud of it. Don't, don't be ashamed. There you go. Yeah. Cat people. Can I hear you, cat people? Just let me know you're out there. Yeah, woo, yeah, nah, hey man. I've been a cat lover for about 20 years. I had, I got, I've had this pet cat for about 20 years. It's show and tell tonight, I'm, I brought it with me. And uh, me and this cat, we, uh, we had a little run in about 20 years ago. And um, I was down in Menard, Texas. And uh, there was a sheep farm down there. And they said, hey, if you see any cats, if you could manage them. And so, you know, by God's grace, I was able to manage this cat. And, um, and so I, I've had him for about 20 years now. This is Bob, he's a bobcat. Sorry, sorry, it's a dad joke, I'm sorry. Y'all didn't deserve that. All right, so, and uh, you know, Bob's the best kind of cat, because he's dead. All right, I'm just, I'm kidding, but seriously, all right. So I'm like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. I hate this guy. Don't know why we came. He's fake. So, and when you look at Bob, man, he's, Bob's got a lot of good things going on, man. 
his eyes a little crooked, but, but everything else, like, man, Bob, like, he, don't he look good? He's a big bobcat, you know? He's got the spots and the little tail, you know, and, and over here, he's got some sort of poultry that he's eating, you know? And, uh, like, this is Bob, Bob. But, you know, uh, Bob hasn't moved in 20 years. Uh, Bob hasn't asked for much in 20 years. And uh, if you haven't figured this out yet, Bob, he may look like a cat on the outside, but on the inside, he's fake. That on the outside, he has the appearance of life. On the outside, he's doing the things that a bobcat does. On the outside, it looks like he's got a lot of things going on, but on the inside, he's fake. And for many of you, this describes your spirituality. That you're here, man, you, you've made a good choice. You're here on a Tuesday night. I'm not trying to bust your chops, but let me just keep it real, all right? You're, you're here tonight, but why are you here? Like, you, you've, got, you've got one of these books. You've got the app downloaded, but, but why? why? Why would you do that? You, you, you'll, you'll sing a song or, or you'll, you'll do something spiritual in nature, but why? Why are you doing all of those things? Are you doing those things so that you'll be better than your dad? Are you doing those things so that you'll be better than your mom or you'll feel better about yourself or you're not like your roommate? Are you doing those things so that God will see you and then he'll bless you with a husband? Like, God, you see me reading, where's he at? You see me reading your word, where's he at? Are you doing these things as a means of trying to manipulate God. And if you are, listen, you're being fake. You have the right externals, but on the inside, you're fake. You may have the appearance of life on the outside, but on the inside, spiritually, you're dead. And Jesus, what he's saying about this Pharisee is like, like he was a good guy. He knew a lot of Bible verses. He probably did a lot of good things. He was probably fit because he fasted twice a week. Like he's, like he's got a lot of good things going. But he missed the most important thing. And what Jesus is saying with this guy is he's saying, listen, don't be fake. Let's be real tonight. Let's be real. Jesus, he compares this Pharisee with the tax collector and he goes on in verse 13 and here's what he says. He says, but the tax collector, and again, the tax collector, he's like the villain in the story. And so right now, the audience, they would have already been like, okay, we like the Pharisee and, and that prayer, like, it's a little weird, but it ain't that bad. You know, like that's what they're thinking. But the tax collector, they're like, he shouldn't even be at church. They, you know, it just says that he was there and, and, uh, and it tells us, remind, remember, uh, the tax collector, he's at church, he's at the temple and he's there to pray. And let me just kind of pause real quick. The fact that the tax collector had the courage to go to the temple, to go to church, is a really big deal. And let me just, let me just pause real quick. If you're here, and this is like your first time to be in a place like this in a while, man, I'm so glad that you're here. If you came in and you're just sitting on the back row and you're just kind of like trying to observe and just like, just kind of, you know, like I'm doing a thing for the year and it's a new thing. Listen, I am so glad you're here. But more importantly, Jesus is glad that you're here. 
But the scriptures tell us over and over and over, those who the religious circle cast out, Jesus welcomed in. And he's telling us this once again in the story, saying the tax collector who had no business being in church by the society standards, he went to church and he prayed. And here's the prayer that he prayed. It says this, that he stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, it says that he, he beat his chest in sorrow. This is what Jews did when they went to a funeral, when they were grieved, when they were sad, they expressed their grief by beating their chest. And here was his prayer. He, he said, oh God, you can almost hear his words through the tears. Oh God, be merciful to me, for I, I am a sinner. If you're taking notes, you could write in your Bible, this brother's contrite, he's broken. If you're taking notes tonight, follow along with us and you will write down point number two. I've invited you already to stop being fake. And point number two, I wanna invite you to start being real. Start being real. Jesus, he's given us a close encounter of this guy at church and he's trying to teach us something. Jesus, what he's trying to teach us is that, that, that he wants the raw the unfiltered, the unedited, the unrefined, the real you. This guy is being real. Jesus is saying that this guy, he came just as he was. And he came with a broken heart. And he came with several things that, were, that would mark him as a, as a real person. And he's the one that Jesus is now shining the light upon. And he's the one that is an example of what we all should aspire to do. Five ways that you know that you're being real from this passage, a couple of observations. Here's one thing. You know that you're real when you're honest. You know that you're real when you're honest. This guy goes to church and, and he's, he's a tax collector. Jesus isn't hiding that, this guy's not hiding that. This would have been in a, in a society where they would have known that he's the tax collector. He couldn't have kind of you know, you know, gone under the radar. They would have said, what's, what's that guy doing here? You know. And he just simply, he simply came. This is who I am. And I think that he's clearly aware of the chasm that exists between him and God because he says by his own admission in the prayer, he says, I am a sinner. When you say that you're a sinner, what you're saying about yourself is what the Bible says about you. You're agreeing with what God says about you. It's hard to say this, it's hard to admit I am a sinner, but what you're saying is that I have fallen short of the glory of God. Sin literally means to miss the mark. And so it's, it's as if God has a perfect standard. That is the standard. And it's a bullseye. And we are trying to aim our life like an arrow at the bullseye. And when you say that you're a sinner, what you're admitting by your own admission is that I have missed the bullseye. And the Bible would say that you didn't miss the bullseye by a little bit. You missed the target, bro. That if God's standard is perfection, I don't think any of us would claim to be perfect but we have to keep doing the digging of the diagnostic and we have to get to, a, a, get to the place where we agree with what the Bible says about our spiritual condition. And when we admit that we are a sinner, we are saying what the Bible says, that spiritually we are dead as a taxidermist, I mean, as a taxidermy bobcat. We're dead spiritually. And this guy, man, he was real because he was honest. Are, are, you, are you honest? with where you're at spiritually. Again, I think that we have a tendency to kind of minimize where we're at spiritually so that we can kind of justify why God would accept us. 
And we do that by comparing ourselves to other people. And we'll say, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy that I, I know from high school. And I've been following him on, on social media recently. And whoo, <laughs> that brother's crazy. You know, I'm not that bad. But we need to be honest tonight. The way that you know that you're being real is that you're honest. The second way that you know that you're being real is that you're humble. That you make the choice to humble yourself. We see here that this guy, this tax collector, it says that he stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. He, he's not rolling into the place where God lived is what he thought. He's not rolling in there like, you know, what's up, chest out, just so fired up, like, yeah, yeah, I'm in church. <laughs> Y'all lucky to have me. No, he's coming in humble. He, he's coming in like, I don't even know if I deserve to be here. He's coming in, I can't, even, I, can't even, I can't even look at heaven because that is, that's as if I'm looking at God in the eyes and I can't do that. That he's being real because he's humble. What he's saying in a sense is, I don't deserve to be here. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you think that you deserve to know him, you've misunderstood the gospel. None of us deserve to be here. It is by grace that any of us have the chance to be right with God. It's a free gift. No one has earned it. Another way that you know that you're real, you're honest, you're humble, and, and the next one is that this guy's broken. He's broken over his sin. I mean, I mean you see there that, that before he ever even prayed, he's beating his chest in sorrow. Like the brother is grieved over his sin. He's, he's realizing that what he has done with his life, the way he has directed his life is not godly. I mean, he's a, tax, a despised tax collector. What that means is that he was stealing from people. He, he was abusing his power. He, he was marginalizing people that were less fortunate. He, he had a track record. He was notorious. He, he knew that he was a bad person that did bad things. And he knew that he missed the standard of God. And he's broken over it. Has there been a time in your life where you've been broken over your sin? I know for me, I was a young adult. I was sharing this with a guy earlier and, and I, was, I was at a crossroads in my life, man. And I, I knew that God had a plan for me. I had enough information about the main message of the Bible to know that I wasn't experiencing what God wanted for me. I didn't know everything at that point in my life. I still don't know everything, but I knew enough to know that God had a plan for my life, that he loved me, that he was my maker, that Jesus was God, that he died on a cross, that he rose from the grave, but I knew that I said that I believed that, but I knew I didn't believe it in my heart because I was still hanging on to sin in my life. Like there were things that I wasn't accidentally doing. There were things that I was willingly doing, thinking, oh God, he'll forgive me. How arrogant of me. And it wasn't until I was broken over my sin. How did that happen? For me, what, what happened is I began to come to a place like this, hear biblical teaching, and it began to help me see that God is like on a whole nother level. I think for most of my life, I kind of saw like I'm here, and then Jesus is just like just a, a step ahead of me, just a little bit better. But then when I got a new glimpse of the holiness of God, which means that he's set apart, I had a similar experience to what I found in an Old Testament prophet's life where he says, woe is me, I am ruined. And, and my lips 
there's, there's, or, or there are other things in my life, they're, they're unclean. Because I've seen God in a new way. Has there been a time in your life where you've been broken? You know that you've been broken when you are committed to do whatever it takes to reset the thing that is broken in your life. Some of you aren't broken over your sexual life yet because you keep running back to pornography and pleasing yourself. Some of you aren't broken over the way that you speak about other people because you keep running back to stirring up drama and gossiping. Some of you are not broken over your self-righteousness because you keep puffing your chest out metaphorically and thinking that you're above somebody or you have more faith than somebody or you're more spiritually minded than somebody or you're better than somebody. Are you broken over your sin? And listen, you are not being real to who you really are and admitting that you desperately need Jesus until there's been a point in your life where you're broken over your sin. So how do you know if you're real, man? You're honest, you're humble, you're broken. And the next way that you know that you're real is, is that you're needy. You realize that I, I desperately need God. Notice the prayer of this guy. It's simple, it's short, it's shameless, it's sincere. He just says, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Listen, God doesn't need your creativity. You don't, have to, you don't have to be eloquent before God. You come to God like a child comes to their father. Dad, I need you. Some of you, this may be the prayer that you're gonna pray tonight. Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am sinner. For some of you, that's gonna be the thing that you say in order to align your heart with God and receive the mercy of God tonight. And this guy, he's saying, God, I need your mercy. Oh God, I need your mercy because God, I know the things I've done. He's being real. And until you get to the place where you can be real, you'll never be right with God. Are you, are you being real? The way that you know that you're being real is that you're honest, you're humble, you're broken, you're needy. And, and the fifth thing is, is that you're repentant. You're repentant. What does that mean? Well, I think that there's this ideal floating around in our culture and it's like, man, I'm just being who I am, man. This is me. You love me for who I am. And like in the name of authenticity, we've thrown away repentance. Repentance is like one of the main words used in the whole Bible. It literally means that you change the way you think and it leads to the change of the way you live. You change your paradigm, if you will. And oftentimes we will tell people or we'll, we'll even tell God, God, I've done this, I've sinned in this area and we think that that's doing good and that's part of it, that's confessing the thing. But if we don't turn from the thing, if we don't repent from the thing, then we're abusing the mercy and the grace of God and we've misunderstood what it means to really be real. And if you wanna be right with God, you've gotta be real with God. And if you're gonna be real with God, you've gotta be honest. You've gotta be humble, broken, needy, and repentant. Jesus, he's given us a master class on how we can be real before God. There's a unique... Um, word that this tax collector uses when he says, have mercy on me. He uses um, a different word that's typically used for mercy in the Greek. And he uses a word that is only used a few times in the New Testament. And it's the word, it's probably not a word that you use this week. Uh, it's the word propitiation. And so he says, oh God, have propitiation on me for I am a sinner. And what this word propitiation means, it's a, it's a big theological word that just means that God, I need you to pay the bill. 
I need you to cover the cost of my sin. And so when he's saying, God, would you have mercy? When he says, would you have propitiation upon me? What he's saying is that I recognize that I am spiritually bankrupt and I don't have enough righteous rewards to be able to pay back and redeem my sinfulness. And he's saying the thing that every one of us need to come to the conclusion that we don't have what it takes to earn our way into heaven and that we all desperately need the propitiation of God Almighty. We need God to pick up the tab of our sin and then put a down payment for the sin that we'll walk in, unfortunately, because we're in a broken world and none of us have arrived. We need God to take care of that bill. And he did that on the cross. That's why Jesus, one of the last things he says before he dies is, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full. I took care of it. And this is what this guy's praying. He said, I don't deserve to be at church. I'm a bad person. I've done bad things. But God, would you have mercy on me? And what it tells us here is is that when he prayed that prayer, mercy is exactly what he found. Here's the conclusion in verse 14. Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God or having right standing before God or in right relationship with God for which the entire crowd would have been like, huh? Oh, that's not how this thing works. And then Jesus goes on and he says this, for those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What Jesus is saying is that you've gotta get real with God in order to get right with God. That, that, that when you pray a prayer like this, you're gonna find mercy. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. You need to find mercy. Jesus, he shocks his audience with this last statement. Like, like here, here's what he's saying. The good person, the good guy, he's in hell. The bad guy, the bad person, he's in heaven. And again, I think that we, we miss this a little bit because we don't really have tax collectors. It, like, I don't think any of us, if we got audited or wishing our IRS person would like go to, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not us, that's not our culture. So let me tell you another story that you may be familiar with. It was about this time of the year in 1992 that a real infamous man went on trial. Netflix recently picked up this guy's story, so maybe you're familiar with it. It was a guy named Jeffrey Dahmer. And Jeffrey Dahmer, he was being tried and he was also convicted of 15 counts of murder. Some of y'all know the story and what we found out was that Dahmer, he abducted these men and boys, he raped them, he murdered them, he dismembered them, and he ate some of them. Now you may not know the rest of the story, but the story goes on like this, that Dahmer, he goes to prison, he's serving a life sentence, and while he's in prison, he finds some Christian literature, he finds a Bible. He begins to learn about the mercy of God And Dahmer reports giving his life over to Jesus and becoming a born-again Christian for feeling overwhelming sorrow for the crimes that he has done. And that God responded to Dahmer and gave him mercy. And I know what you're thinking because I think the same thing. Like, that's not right. How can a cannibal become a Christian? And the reason why we think that is because we underestimate the power of God's mercy. And we overestimate the goodness of our heart as if we just need a little bit of mercy, God, just a little bit. But God's saying, I am rich in mercy. I have enough mercy to cover the darkness of Dahmer. And 
the darkness that was in Dahmer's heart, unfortunately, it lies in the heart of every one of us here tonight. And Jesus is teaching us this is how his kingdom works. Maybe you're asking, okay, Chad, what, what, what are you saying? It, well, let me just kind of put it simply right here. That for Jesus, the fake will be forgotten by God. And the real will be redeemed. And only until you see your need for God will you actually need God. Listen, we are dead in our sins. We are spiritually as dark as Dahmer. And we desperately need God. Like think about yourself, do you need God like the tax collector? Do you need God like that? Do you need God like a freezing man needs a fire? Let's be real tonight, Paradigm. Our only hope is in a right relationship with God. And listen, you cannot slip on the ice of life and then just pretend like everything's all right. You can't fake it anymore and you don't have to fake it anymore. You don't have to prove to God that you're all right and you don't need nothing. You can be real. That night after we got off the ice and I told all the young adults like, yeah, you better watch that ice, you know, like I'm good, I'm good. We got in the, we got in the car my wife's like, hey, are you okay? I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> like like I, I, I told her, I said, I think I broke my rib. And she's like, oh my gosh, well, we need to go see a doctor. I'm like, well, the nature of a broken rib is that you really can't do a whole lot about it. As long as it ain't punctured my lung, I don't think it has, so we are good, you know. That's been weeks ago, y'all, I'm still hurting. <laughs> I broke my rib, or cracked my rib at least. And I had to be honest with somebody that loved me enough to ask, hey, are you really okay? And only until I was honest could I really begin to adjust the things I needed to adjust so that I could find healing. And listen, if you've fallen and you're faking Are you really hurt deep down inside? And let me be the loved one in your life that says, hey, are you okay? See, ribs, the nature of a cracked rib or a broken rib, they take time to heal. But the nature of God's mercy is that it can come upon you in a moment. But you've gotta be real with God in order to get right with God. And listen, God wants you to come to him so that he can give you mercy be fake, be forgotten by God. Be real, be redeemed by God. And tonight my prayer is that you would respond to the mercy of God. I don't know if you've explored much with the Be Real app, but when you get your notification to make your post, you've got about two minutes to post a picture of yourself and your surroundings before that notification expires. And what I wanna invite you to do is over the next two minutes, I believe God's sending every one of us a notification to be real. And what will you do with that notification? How will you respond to God's prompting in your life to be real? Will you neglect it or will you receive the notification? I wanna invite you just to bow your head and to close your eyes. I wanna ask you a couple of questions. I've already said tonight, and then we're gonna transition into a song and get on with the rest of our night. Question number one, are you okay? As sincere as my wife asked me that question after I got hurt, let me ask you that with 
with as much sincerity as I can in this environment, are you okay? Have you fallen metaphorically on the ice of life and is your soul hurting? Listen, you don't have to fake it anymore. Are you okay? Are you hurt? And only until you become honest with God will you be ready to receive the mercy of God. See, honesty is the key that unlocks the flood of God's mercy upon your life. Are you okay? If you're hurt, are you faking it? Last question, are you ready to be real? When you get real before God, you can just pray a simple prayer like this. God, would you have mercy on me? I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace, but I want it. God, would you have mercy on me? For I'm a sinner. And when you pray a prayer like that, ribs, they take a while to heal. But mercy, it comes in a moment. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you for this notification to be real. And God, I pray that you would help us to respond in a way that, that is real, unfiltered, raw, unedited, that we would post our heart up to you, so to speak, and that you would give us mercy, that you would meet us where we are. God, we may have come in here tonight and had a weekend romp or had a, a, a winter break where we did things that we're not proud of. God, we may have come in here tonight and, and we may have been uh, abusing certain things to, to give us certain pleasures that are fleeting and we're not proud of. God, we may have come in here just feeling distant from you. God, I pray you would meet with us. God, you'd help us to be real for your glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen.